0: to Madrid to the Champions League final. Leicester's very own fantastic Mr. Fox Arsenal are walking in a
1: winter wonderland what a turnaround the punch
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Slapcast. This is our th- second episode in three days, which is an unbelievable rate of return for us. Uh, and as you may expect, that means there's some uh, fishy business going on, and that is, of course, that we're back with another special. And uh, today, I've got, of the normal crew, I've got Reese with me. Hello, Reese. Hello. And I've got Josh. Hello, Josh. Hello. Hello. And we are pleased to be joined by Mr. Dave Nichols, uh, better known to some as Cultured Left Foot. Dave, how are you doing?
1: Uh, Hello, hello. Thanks for having me on.
2: Yeah, delighted to have you here. Um, Do you want to go ahead and just tell everyone uh, what all you've got going on and where they can find you?
1: oh yeah okay we'll get that i'll do the plug straight away <laughs> that's not a problem um so yes yeah, so i co-host a football talk um a football talk a football podcast called football talk uh with a friend of mine in the uk i currently live in singapore most people know me as cultured left foot because that's my youtube channel uh, that i run where i play football manager and pro evolution soccer on uh on youtube and embarrass myself generally when it comes to provo but yeah uh i host a f- uh, a football podcast myself, and uh, Gage invited me on to to join the guys, and it's a pleasure to be here. So thanks for having me on. I've got to say as well, three podcasts, uh, two podcasts in three days is impressive when there's no football one. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have
2: heard our last one. It was um... if you haven't heard our last one, by the way, go check it out. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I haven't. <laughs> but... Yeah, it's on it's
1: on my Spotify list. I haven't <laughs> listened to it yet. So it, it's
2: buddy. a bit it's a bit um, diabolical. Josh was just yeah. A... Discovering you on YouTube, I think, just now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was a bit... Right. One more viewer, isn't it? One more viewer. Get yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this is actually what our, our whole plan of increasing our viewership is just having them all on as guests. Because they're yeah, all like, oh, yeah, we'll talk, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, well, obviously, we don't have any, uh, you know, football to discuss at the moment, but... We what we've done in the past with specials is just have people, um, yeah. you know, kind of talk a little bit about their own club and then us weigh in with our um, expertise, as it were. And okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, how, how overall did you feel about the the end of United season?
1: Well, I think to put it frank, the, the whole COVID situation came at a really bad time for us. Because we were just hitting a run of form, um, you know, hadn't lost in five games. It was going. It seemed like we'd got out of the funk. Bruno Fernandes had come in and made a really big difference. Uh, a creative spark, is taking the risky midfield that we needed, and it looked like we're on the right trajectory to sort of attack that fourth place. And it's you just sort of don't know how it's going to. Hopefully, the season all gets back underway, and you just don't know how it's going to react. Really, because it's yeah, it felt like it was. Really heading in the right direction. I mean, a bit of the opposite to, to Spurs. I'm sure you'll get onto them later. But uh, it's yeah. It seems like this this stopping of the season has come at the completely the wrong time for Man United. Um, and it's it's a shame because obviously we've been up and we we, we were up. And then at the beginning of the season was okay. Middle it was pretty bad. Uh, and then this towards the end of it, with what eight nine games to go, uh, yeah, it seemed like we had turned the corner and it was all starting to click uh, starting to click but yeah it's uh I was I was happy with where we were going and then it all just came to a crashing halt which was very annoying
2: it is yeah and I, I agree actually I, I felt like the addition of Bruno Fernandez was a, a really needed one but it was one of those where it the the transfer saga went on for so long that I had kind of I was just Reese and I talk about this all the time. We just accepted that he was a United player and it reached the stage where I didn't realize quite how much of a difference he was going to make. I mean, he made Solskjaer look like a, a competent manager towards the end of the um towards the end well, of the, yeah. the end of things. I
1: think um obviously he had absolutely fantastic numbers in in Portugal with Sporting. And I think obviously everyone suggested, you know, there's no way he's going to bring those sorts of Goals and assists um, per game to to the Premier League, and he's I think it's he's got at least a goal and an assist in every game he's played, or the, the maths makes it work out like that, um, which is just incredible. And he uh, maybe Solskjaer is a competent manager; he just needed that creative spark. It's it's put a lot of Man United fans in a bit of a tough situation for the old Oli in and Oli out brigade and and what's going on because. You know, if we kept it up to the end of the season, the chances are we would have got fourth. Or we still could get fourth if we carry on where we left off. But, and that would be a successful season for everything that's happened. It is a rebuilding process. But I think he has been absolutely fantastic, Bruno Fernandes. Uh, he's given the, the light that we needed, a sort of a trigger for the rest of the midfield. And it's, it's all that, it's that thing in the back of the head as well that, like, there's no, we haven't seen Fernandes and Pogba together yet. And if, You'd think that Pogba being the sort of player that he wants to be and it gives the impression that he wants to be is that the signing of Fernandez will get the best out of him and make him work a bit harder because he's got to put himself in the shop window if he wants to move, basically. Right. So, yeah, it should be interesting. It should be interesting. I've
3: always thought that uh, Pogba's time at Man United has been really disappointing because he's. I've thought that he's been playing out of position because he's he's really not a cam And that's where he's played for most of his time there. And so, yeah, like you were saying, the addition of Bruno Fernandes, I thought is really excited to see Pogba because I think uh, him being able to drop a little bit deeper, play more as a center mid instead of a cam uh, is where he's best because, I don't know, just controlling the play, uh, playing long balls, switching play, uh, transitional play, I think that's where, where Pogba shines yeah and of I mean, course of course he can play as a can i just don't know if that's where he's he's best fit so i think this uh this edition really really is gonna um my brain uh, isn't functioning because it's, yeah, it not really but it's you know it so say. early
1: for you guys yeah i apologize <laughs> no no it's all good um I do think the thing with Pogba is that he's been, you're right, I think he's been shifted around too much. He played as a sort of like a quarterback role from deep line playmaker. Then he was pushed into attacking midfield. Then he was asked to be the left side of a three under Mourinho because everyone thought that would be the best position for him because it's where he played his best at Juventus. But he, I, to be honest, I think Pogba just needs some sort of stability in whoever he's playing with. If you look at the times he was playing with uh, McTominay and then Matic in a two, uh, is one of a two, and then. As one of the three, and then as I said, shunt it out to the left, and then as you said, put in a cam roll to try and be the uh, the sort of architect of the team. I, I just think he needs that stability in, in a consistent form of playing. And now you know he's been injured for ages, so you can argue it's his own fault that he hasn't got that consistency this year. But when you look at his performances at Juventus when he was there, the fact he was alongside Pirlo meant he didn't have to drop back and get the ball from deep and, and spray it. Uh, and and ch- sort of be that driving force. He was allowed to let Pirlo do the passing to get it to the, the box um, and the wingers and then Pogba could run through the middle uh, and be the driving force of the team without the ball sort of like a Lampard-esque midfielder getting into the box running from deep. Um, and again, with France, he does a slightly different job but he's got Kanto behind him who's arguably the best holding midfielder in the world. So he definitely doesn't have to do any sort of defending for France. And he's allowed to just be a completely free player. So I think he, uh, as a United fan, he's absolutely frustrating. Like, incre- It was so, I was so happy when we signed him. I thought, yeah, this is going to be incredible. Absolutely incredible. But it's just never really hit. And the the only saving grace we've got is that with Ed Woodward, who is an absolute knobhead. I don't know what sort <laughs> of language you can use on this podcast. Uh, whatever but, you want. Yeah, he's an absolute imbecile. Like, at least we know with Ed Woodward, he will not sell him for a loss. You will definitely get more money than what we bought him for. So, you know, that's one positive. But I'd love to see uh, maybe a midfield three of McTominay, uh, Pogba and, and Fernandez, and see how it worked. It would be a wonderful thing to do. And the, the only saving, again, and not the only saving grace, another saving grace of the season sort of having this postponement is that Pogba now has to play for his position to get a back in the Man United squad with how well we were performing and he needs to play well to get a move in the summer so that he can play in the Euros which have been postponed for France and he needs to regain that French spot because Deschamps has already said that if you're not playing for your club you're not going to get picked for the national team which you know I think all international managers say that but at least Deschamps has rude. <laughs> Yeah yeah uh, exactly so it's it's an interesting situation that midfield at Man United and you know, you never really know what what the club is planning in transfers. They might be already have an agreement in place to sell Pogba and they're going to spend the money bolstering the midfield in a different way. But you just don't know. Do it's, it's, I don't know where we started with this conversation. Pogba's really frustrating. So I'll <laughs> admit <it> with that.
2: <laughs> well, I, the other thing is I don't know if we know when the transfer window is going to happen, which is a whole other um, well, yeah, conversation yeah. to have as well. Because... We we had a lengthy conversation about this the other the other night on our um, last episode about where these things are going because if we restart the season in June like they're saying then we're gonna spill into July which not only ex- uh, exceeds a lot of contracts for players but it's also in like exactly in the middle of the transfer window so as for how that's it's, gonna work it's
1: mind boggling yeah, very strange very strange situation the whole of the other it. And it's just a yeah, absolutely like you say, mind-boggling. It is a mind-boggling situation that we're in. I assume clubs will just have to extend contracts until the season's finish. Um, but yeah, it's football, so complicated, isn't it? It's it money is. rules the world, so it'll be whatever money makes the decision.
2: And it is this this situation is precarious. I feel like in in a lot of ways, for legal reasons, because if you think about what we're gonna do with the rest of the season, pretty much the only um the only outcome that doesn't result in immediate legal action is if we just continue the season and finish it out but based on the timetable we may not be able to do that
1: so well, yeah i think you i think you have to finish the season like i don't know how you guys think feel about it but i think because nothing is confirmed if if you know if if the bottom 3 teams were were mathematically relegated and Liverpool had won the league, I think you could agree that you you end the season as it is. But because nothing in the English league is confirmed, I don't think you can I don't think there's any way you can end it. I think you have to find a way to play it out.
2: Yeah, I agree. And well that's what I mean and it's a legal minefield, because if we if we were to say um sorry, morning again <laughs> If we were to say um that the season was voided now, then teams like Leicester, Sheffield United, et cetera, that have been, you know, quote-unquote overachieving, lose all that progress that they had. And um, obviously, I-, I guess what they would have to do in that situation is not relegate anyone and only bring up the top two from the championship. And then you have this weird dynamic of having two extra teams in the league and all this stuff. So I agree with you in the sense that we... We do need to finish the season. I just hope it doesn't have. I hope it doesn't go so far that it has, de- like, extremely limiting um, ramifications on next season as well. Because then, yeah, I think. So, oh, sorry. Sorry. We, go. On. Yeah, well, then we've got the Euros that summer, and then the season after that is we've got to tear up because we've got a World Cup in the middle of it. So it, like, <laughs> it's an absolute mess. It, it is. <laughs> it really is <laughs> it, it is i
1: think um it's a very interesting dynamic as well because the premier league isn't connected to the football league in any way right yeah other than reporting to the fa the the premier league is its own independent sort of company so the football league have already said well there's no way we're postponing it because that's un- it's unfair on the teams that are in the promotion spot. So we're definitely going to finish our season, which means the Premier League have sort of had to go, well, I guess we're going to finish as well then because we don't know what's happening. Yeah, Because if the Premier League finish and then they're forced by the FA to say, well, the EFL finished and therefore the promoted teams have to come up, what are you going to do about it? It's going to be a very interesting dynamic. But I I had completely forgotten about the World Cup in Qatar is messing up. Next season in December, which is also ridiculous. But it yeah. looks
2: stupider um, and stupider by the second. Like that decision just yeah. continues to be awful. Um,
1: yeah, it does. So, but it's it's a it's just a well, it's a mess, and it? it's not just football; it's world sport. So,
2: I world everything to be fair. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Very true. Yeah. This, um, I mean, this this I I definitely have not seen anything that has such far-reaching implications in my lifetime. Which, of course, is. Not particularly that long, but <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. But it's very strange because we here we are almost probably probably relatively close to on opposite ends of the planet, and we have very similar restrictions, like oh, where yeah. we're homebound and that sort of thing. And it, it, it's just crazy to me that it's it's reaching the entire planet at this stage. And yeah, I don't know. It's oh, just it's, I've never seen something like it. Sort of,
1: you're living through history. history. It will go down. Yeah in history as as the epidemic of yeah like you say our sort of lifetime i imagine
0: Uh, Yeah, one of our our history teachers that we all had he he's pretty active on twitter and one of his things was like our generation and his generation had never had like a thing yet like every generation had like the great depression world wars and we haven't really had anything yet and he's like this is our thing (laughs) this is going to be the thing that like everyone talks about for us
1: yeah, so now we're gonna get. It's gonna be an epidemic that causes a recession. <laughs> so right, we take yeah. off two of those things on the list, and yeah, it was interesting. I read an article um, like about the aftermath of what what this is all going to be, uh, and it was basically like we're just gonna have a generation of children who will just consistently be washing their hands all the time, and like the hand sanitizer will be the biggest profitable business in the future, and things like that. And so
2: toilet paper. Yeah. I can imagine toilet the, the toilet paper yeah, yeah, yeah. companies in the US are single-handedly keeping the economy afloat. But <laughs> <laughs> was
1: that an issue in Singapore? Yeah, well, it, it was, but only for a day. It was really weird. <laughs> it was It's still like, an issue here. I, I, I hear the same in the UK as well. Like it was here, it was because obviously they had SARS here. So they're quite yeah. Because of SARS back in the day, back when it whenever it happened, um that is what prepped Singapore to be ready for an epidemic. So people, basically, they the government stockpiled loads of supplies. And then when they started introducing the restrictions, everybody panicked, went out, bought rice, noodles, toilet paper, sanitizer, all of that stuff. So for one day, you couldn't find it. And then the next day, everything was fully stocked and everybody could get whatever they wanted. So, yeah, and it's been like that. Like, when they brought in the latest restrictions, a number of people panicked and went out and bought the same stuff, toilet roll, noodles, rice, whatever. Um, but the next day, everything was fully stocked again. So it, it, it's been incredible how they've managed it here compared to when I look. Obviously, they, even they themselves, the government, have said they could do things better. But when you compare it to other places in the world, it's it looks like life is much more normal here than it is anywhere else.
2: Yeah. Well, p- part of the problem in the US is people are taking their lives as though it's normal. I mean, so many yeah. people here, yeah. I think it was over spring break, there was a- this video that went around of all these people on Bourbon Street in New Orleans, just like thousands of people yeah. walking down the street.
1: That, like, <laughs> that did not go down well anywhere else in the world. I exactly.
2: Think. And yeah, it's, it was- <laughs> it's sort of like and now you- New
0: Orleans in Louisiana is, the is, I think they're almost about the past New York in cases.
1: Wow! Well, yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Is so, uh, but yeah, it, it was was that the same video where the guy says, um, "Oh, you know, if I get it, I get it. It doesn't matter." Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it was just yeah. It's yeah, and there's another but... one
2: that comes where the all these police cars come rolling down the street and they're like making it announcement, like you are jeopardizing public health. Go home. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's 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 embarrassingly bad. It. Well, the other the other problem is America's sort of we I think we're a lot of Americans feel kind of invincible to this stuff because you you always read about it, like what well, um like Ebola and West Nile and all this kind of stuff that happens in other places in the world. And America's like, Oh yeah, we could never have infectious disease, not here and like here we are <laughs> and it's unprecedented yeah. for us and so I think that's one of the reasons why the US sucks in that regard <laughs> um, and so yeah i don't know it's a very strange dynamic in the i know i definitely felt that way like especially
0: in like january i was like there's no way that this is gonna affect us there's like it just didn't seem feasible because like even when ebola came here like eight years ago there was only like 10 cases and i was like there's no way this is gonna affect us and then i had to move out of my room, I was thinking that, and it like, a month later.
2: Yeah, well, the thing was, for us, too, like, at, at Baylor, which is my university, we, um, we had, like, the second scare in the, in the U.S. for, um, like, they thought the guy had coronavirus, because he was from Wuhan, like, and so they thought that he had it, because he had symptoms, I guess, and the dude actually lived in my dorm, and, um, wow. he, he, that f- thankfully the the test results came back negative. But even then, like that weekend, we were all there at the dorm just as yeah. normal, and it's like it's
1: okay. It's a bit of a strange question for you, I guess. Obviously, yeah. we had to talk about football, but unless well, Carol talking about COVID, not but necessarily. <laughs> like, did was there a lot of feeling in America that it was like, oh, it's an Asian disease, like it's an Asian virus? It's fine because the UK, like talking to my friends in the UK, that was what the opinion was. It was like, oh, it's it's in Asia. I mean, what does it matter? Asia's dirty. That's what, sort of like what people were saying. The opinion yes. they came across. Well, I mean, I, you
2: look no further than our president.
1: I think. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm not going to say anything because. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting because I know a lot of people in the UK thought that that it was just uh oh it's not going to come here, forgetting that you know. It, all it needed was china to singapore singapore's a hub of the world and it gets everywhere yeah so
2: well and not to mention it, the fact that the, what is it like 60% of us trade is with china so I yeah mean, yeah <laughs> that alone is a reason for it to like be a problem well then of course it started infiltrating europe and at that point like i, mean, I think the us should have realized like okay guys like if europe's getting infiltrated i think we're we're next and of course yeah you know, nothing nothing doing
1: because the thing the thing we have here is obviously being a um an expat or a a visitor in the country of singapore is that we were just like my wife and i were just like i can't believe how underprepared europe and america were for it when it was quite clearly a big issue and you've already been told that all these people are traveling and could potentially have it and you know it's going to be a a worldwide epidemic and then it all just seems to be like oh yeah it'll be okay don't worry about it we're we're british we'll We'll fight it off. Be like the war. Oh yeah, whatever.
2: Yeah, this so, is very similar yeah. American but, mentality, actually. Um, America. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like right, um, the, go on, go the I feel like the cultures are, are more similar than people think. Actually, when like when you when you listen to people talk about British culture from the outside, it seems to be that it's it's not actually too too dissimilar to, um, or maybe not culture, but mentality maybe is not too dissimilar to. Um, the United States, because I, okay, this is probably true, is the stigma about the U.S. is that every American feels like we are the best country in the world or, you know, like something like that (laughs) or whatever, yeah, so, I mean, uh, well, I guess there's probably British people that feel that way about the U.K. too, though, so, you know, it's.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about that. (laughs) No? Okay, fair play. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're very, uh, the Brits are, are generally quite damning of britain normally ah, fair play. Uh, <laughs> i wish
2: more americans were like there that.
1: there probably will be some people in the country yeah that. I uh, always i think it's a a, a populist thing in it america's so big it's got so many people yeah, so true. it's probably yeah. a lot easier to find people who are very patriotic than it is in the uk because the lack of population but um yeah no, it could be there could be a thing if, if if they do exist i don't know them <laughs> yeah,
2: fair play i i do i yeah i know several that are quite um overly patriotic shall we say Okay. <laughs> I think we all just thought of the same person. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. So yeah. Anyway, well, this is derailed significantly,
1: but yeah. Um, I was gonna say I'll um I'll, I'll I'll swing it back onto football and I'll ask you guys a question then. What's your highlight of the season been? Ooh. Oh. Um. Ar- Arsenal hasn't had very many highlights. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah.
2: Spurs have had even less, I think. So. Um. Oh. Well, Josh, you've probably got something good. cause
0: Yeah, because we're doing good this year. Instead of about to get relegated and sitting <laughs> You in have like a league 70. title. I don't
2: want to hear about it. It's
0: <laughs> hey, not my fault y'all can't win a trophy. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Mine's just probably just the surprise of how good that we have been at times. Just because I predicted us to finish sixth this year. I had no... I, and that was me kind of pushing it, and I even admitted that on our first podcast of the season, and I think just how good we've played is kind of amazing to me, but... Hang on, you're also, a Liverpool fan, yeah? No, I'm a Leicester fan, so...
1: Oh, a Leicester fan, okay, I was yeah. going to say that. Makes, yeah, that so makes I started sense. watching
0: the um, Premier League, the season, the Great Escape season, and I was like, wow, this was amazing to watch. I loved that. the fight that they showed was amazing. And next season got extremely lucky, and they won the title. And then, <laughs> yeah, but um, just the ups and downs of the season have definitely been there, especially in the middle. We did not play very great, and but it's if the season continues, I really hope we keep where we are. But if the season ends, that would that would suck.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I, yeah, as I said before, I don't think they can end the season because it's not... I, well, if I was Leicester and they said, if I was the Leicester chairman um, and they and the EPL suddenly turned around and said, we're going to end the season, I'd sue them because you're missing yeah. out on Champions League money. You're missing out on the group right. stage of the Champions League finishing third. So I, I think that's the reason why it's not just going to finish. They will find a way to play the games. Okay, so another question then, as a Leicester fan... Mm-hmm. What, what do you do when Jamie Vardy retires? <laughs> I I really hope we sign some. Cry, <laughs> cry.
0: <laughs> it, but Kalechi Yonacho has actually not looked bad this season. I don't know. Yeah, he's two. not
2: sustainable long term, though. I feel like no. We yeah, need I think to he's too inconsistent. Yeah, and
0: <laughs> there's we need to sign someone. But like at the beginning of the season, that wasn't even who I was calling to get. For a signing. I was calling for a center back because whenever we sold uh, McGuire to y'all, I was like, oh my gosh, who?" there's no way Soyunku is going to be good enough to fill his void. And it's turned out he played even better than he did at times, and yeah. the combination with Johnny Evans has been insane.
2: Which is Just, so funny to me because Johnny Evans for me was someone that was done and dusted like his career was completely like after he was um what was he at, he was at West Brom right before West yeah, Brom yeah, we West yeah. Like when he was there I was like all right you know it's was just washed up United center back that you know is going to finish out his career but he's actually he's actually been quite good this season yeah and um, he's uh, helped
0: uh, a lot with the maturing of Swanku because he's kind of Johnny Evans is kind of I, don't know, I, I guess reserves is kind of a good word for his play style and Soyuncu is definitely, like, just 100 miles an hour all the time. And you can have seen with Soyuncu they he's kind of slowed down a little bit slowly throughout the season in a good way. Like, he reads the game a lot better, especially since the beginning
2: of the season. But, yeah. What were you going to say, Dave?
1: Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say now, but, um, yeah, Johnny Evans, he was always sort of just echoing what, what Josh said, really. He was always a, even at when he's at United, a calm... A, a, a calmer head I think he just came through at United at the wrong time if you think of that, like when he was a youngster who we had there, he played a good number of games for us, um, but he was never going to break in and be a consistent first team player and I think it worked out well for him moving to West Brom because it was a drop probably below his level, so it made him look better and then Leicester took a punt and yeah it's worked out really well for Leicester the signing of Johnny Evans so. but again, he's getting on a bit so he'll need a replacement soon enough Mm-hmm.
2: What was your original question? A, I'm like I thought of a
3: highlight. Oh, highlight yeah, it was, yeah,
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> Emery getting sacked. <laughs> 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 and an extension Arteta coming on because I mean the guys know I've been advocating for Arteta since arson Wenger got sacked. So like what was that now? Like two seasons ago?
1: Yeah. I can even twenty seventeen I think.
3: Yeah, that that was like my dream manager. You. Who I've why? been I've
1: got to ask why? Why Arteta?
3: I just think, you know, I it was a gamble for sure, but I think you got to learn something when you're Pep's henchman, like for that many years. <laughs> <laughs> when you're his henchman, you, he's got to have stolen the stolen the secrets. I don't know, but uh, he's also. I think the big reason for me is he knows the club. Uh, he knows the fundamentals of the club. And I, th- I think that was especially needed after losing such a long time manager like Arsene Wenger. Cause Emery comes in, he tries to change the whole identity and that didn't work at all. Now we're going back to our roots and I think we're seeing as well. <laughs> I mean, Arteta played with some of these guys. Arteta- Ozil. He's been way better since Arteta's come in, and it's because Arteta played with him. He knows he knows how he wants to play, and so he can accommodate that.
1: I think, yeah, I think the key thing from seeing Arteta come in is that he's just sticking to a certain way of playing. Whereas I think Emery just sort of changed and chopped and changed all the time with personnel, playing style. Was it pressing? Was it counter-attacking? And it was just bizarre to watch Arsenal under Emery. I'm yeah. not, I'm not sold under over Arteta though i I'm not sure I'm not sure I mean it's
3: fair i I definitely would have liked to see him finish out the season but uh it it seemed like we were just starting to turn those draws into wins mm, um, yeah but yeah, I think it's definitely gonna be something to keep an eye on but i I've been impressed and i I think that could just be the new manager bounce that typically happens but um I don't know I think that. I think to get the defense playing like they were playing is, is just an, an indication of what's to um... come because I mean that our defenses, I mean, that was embarrassing. And then, <laughs> yeah. and I, I honestly think since our has come in besides a few mistakes, which obviously can't happen, Mustafi has been very good, uh, <laughs> And David oh, Luiz wow. good, too. I don't
1: know if I'd ever class Mustafi as very good. <laughs> I know. I, I, I can agree if you said he improved, but I don't think "very good" is the words I would use to say how Mustafi's played. <laughs> yeah,
3: he's he's definitely improved. I w- yeah. yeah, which I mean that's a that's an achievement in itself.
2: My highlight okay. is probably a, a person, <laughs> and that, that person is Giovanni Laselso, Uh because. He has been absolutely immense this season, and at times he has been the glue that has held the fabric of the club together because he genuinely is... Actually, I talked about this with um, Chris Miller the last in, on the last special. He is the only midfielder that Spurs have in the squad that's not 100% niche. Like, his role is not completely niche because all the other Spurs midfielders have almost next to no tactical versatility, so they have to play in a system that suits them right down to the ground, otherwise they're almost useless, (laughs) which is exemplified, I think, by by Harry Winks, especially the Winks Sissoko partnership is is like the the thing that I hate, and I hope burns in hell. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It just exemplifies how um, useless some of our midfielders are in certain tactical situations, and I think Lo is someone that has been so adaptable and so um, excellent this season. Despite his Premier League numbers, he has not registered a goal or an assist this season, but I just think he's been so class since he's come come into the team. Didn't
0: you hate him for, like, two weeks?
2: No, I didn't hate him. I just... <laughs> <laughs> hate is a strong word, okay? <laughs> I think... Um, I was skeptical of him, that's what I will say. He turned out... He
3: wasn't starting games. Like, he was only being used as a sub well, for Well, he
2: had this strange, like, I mean, to, to be fair to him, like, coming in from La Liga takes some betting in time. Like, there's obviously a transition period that has to happen between coming from La Liga to coming to the Premier League. But, obviously, the the, the thing that sucked for us was that he got injured immediately on international duty. I think he, he made three substitute appearances under Pochettino, went on out on the, uh, I think it was the October international break, and then um, I forgot who it was. I think it was Gary Medell, like, tried to split him in half. <laughs> and uh, he was injured for six weeks or eight weeks or something like that. And then after that, he came back, and he never really reached his stride. And Pochettino wasn't picking him. And then Mourinho kind of came out with this whole thing about how, oh, you know, in training, you know, he's not been great. Like, he's too quiet. He doesn't he doesn't talk and all this stuff. And But then after that happened, he starts playing games and he was just immense and I think Mourinho came around or maybe Mourinho knew and he was just trying to coax it out of him I'm not sure how much um I know you're a bit of a a Mourinho skeptic Dave but um
1: yeah (laughs) yeah so I don't
2: I don't know how much you want to attribute that to Mourinho but he's been absolutely fantastic since then so yes I was skeptical of his abilities and I also whenever he, whatever his name was, the one that was being floated around in the transfer market for so long, I, I was thinking this was at the same time when Dybala was also like the almost ran for Spurs, and I mean, f- for me they were on different planes, uh, like Dybala was. Well, they probably still are on different planes, but Lacelzo has definitely elevated his opinion of, or my opinion of his opinion of me, <laughs> my opinion <laughs> of him. <laughs> he's he's actually a loyal listener of the pod. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, that was I, I, a long tirade there. But
1: Loewel sorry, is a is an interesting one because I think you're right. I think he's got he's at the moment. I think he's impressing in the midfield because he's got so much to do. Like you say, he covers a lot of bases. um It's a similar situation to United, really. I think Spurs don't know their starting midfield or who they want to be the starting no. midfield. Um, because you look at like, and Don has been a bit of a nothing since yep. he signed, really. He hasn't really done much for the 50 million or 50 million, 55 million that was spent 60. on him. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, I mean, um, Harry Winks, I just don't, I, no. He's, he's not. No? He's not. not I, no, I don't, I'm not having him. I, I don't, I. If, if you're a team like Tottenham and you want to get in the Champions League and you want to get to the batter stages of the Champions League and things like that, I don't think Harry Winks is a consistent enough player to do it. I don't think he offers enough in terms of the midfield. I hope he proves me wrong because he's English and he's right. probably going to be in central midfield for England for quite a while. Um, so I hope he proves me wrong. But your biggest problem is Jose Mourinho. Like, he will do okay Next season, when he's got like a big, full, proper season and season and can do all of that, and he'll he'll do all right, and then he'll leave, and your club will be shot down in flames. <laughs> It'll <will> be <laughs> a disaster, stuff. like he always does. And I just don't. I mean, look at him now. Have you seen the thing with coronavirus, where he took three yeah, players out he to took the park? The and yeah. Was, What's, what is he playing? At? I don't know. What an idiot! I know. Uh, it's just yeah, I. I can't fan the guy. I didn't. I didn't want him as United manager when we. Got uh, yeah, him. well, I should. I should when, point out. I was
2: very vocal about not wanting him as Spurs manager. Um, you
1: were. Yeah, when his name
3: was being floated around for Arsenal manager, I wanted to die.
1: Yeah, <laughs> which is it is it's so strange to get someone that can split a fan base so much because uh, Josh, the guy that I host football talk with, was very much keen to get Mourinho in for Spurs because he was like, he will win us a trophy. He will get that monkey off our back and will win us a trophy. And that's when I had to point out that's not. If you win the league, if, if he comes in and wins the league cup, that is not worth it no. for the state. He will leave you club in at the end of it. If he comes in and wins the Champions League, then it's a different thing to shout about. But I can't, I, I just can't see it working. I do not see him working well with someone like Daniel Levy.
2: Hey, <laughs> that is such a strange like relationship because apparently, yeah, apparently, this is this has been Daniel Levy's guy since since he bought the club or it like, you know, whatever the term is for him acquiring a majority shareholder or whatever. But apparently this has been his guy that he's wanted to, to get in for so long. And it's so bizarre to me because he's literally the anti Daniel Levy manager. Like if, if you look at Daniel Levy's track record of not backing, I mean, Pochettino, Pochettino well, in my opinion on Pochettino has changed a little bit since the I've had time to reflect on him not being our manager, but I still think he's one of the best managers in Europe and Daniel Levy didn't give him money. Uh, so I also think Pochettino depended too much on Daniel Levy getting giving him money and that towards the end of his tenure, he went against um, like his previous philosophy of developing young players, which I thought was a problem. But anyway, that's completely off the rails. I actually wanted Nagelsmann. Uh, that was my okay. like big... Shout, and then of course we drew them in the Champions League, and I was like, "Well, look at this nice little parody here of the manager I wanted versus the manager I got, and obviously the manager I wanted kind of ran riot a little bit." But (laughs) yeah, anyway, I I don't know how we got here, but
1: (laughs) no, well, Mourinho does that to you. Yeah, you never know how you got there, but he's there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. um, I
3: want to. I had a question that I, I'm just very curious about because, I don't know, it's it's very di- it's very a very divisive topic, I guess, among United fans, at least for what it seems like. It might it might not really be. But the back line, given how much money y'all spent assembling the new players in it, I don't know, have you been impressed or have you been disappointed? I'm, I am not very sold on it. I think generally um, y'all might have just overpaid and i and i think the prices just don't really reflect but yeah i
1: think i think um i think wambasaka has been brilliant at right back okay he he needs to work on his attacking output but i think defensively is what we needed to improve and he's done that at right back um his uh, his tackling stats are absolutely insane about how good he is at getting the ball back, and his legs are so bloody long that it—it's just ridiculous some of the tackles he makes. I think he's been really good. I think Maguire started quite slowly and then has grown into it. And I think I—I th- I do think uh, it's improved. I think we've overpaid. I do think we've overpaid. But then there's the British premium for English pl- the English premium for English players, and we bought two English players to go at the back and. Clubs knew that we were sort of desperate for those positions. Like so, Leicester had no incentive to sell Harry Maguire. Was why? Why would they sell him for less than they wanted? It it was just so we had to pay that money. And and the same could be said of Wan Bissaka. Off the stats he had, like last season with Palace, it was obvious. He was their best player. It was obvious he was going to cost loads of money. So I, I am happy with it. Can it get better? Yes. Can we improve on the likes of Luke Shaw? Yeah, probably. Um, I think Brandon Williams has come in and done well as a youngster. Uh, is I mean, get, selling Ashley Young, getting some money for Ashley Young was just a that is not Yeah, I don't <laughs> know how. And the fact that we then offered him a one-year contract extension and he turned it down, and we sold him for money, was just ridiculous. Um, but uh, I think, it, yeah, it could be improved. But it, as I said, like towards the end of the season, it was getting, it was getting very well. And, you know, I, the bigger thing for me is what do you do with David De Gea? Um, he looked better towards the end of the season or the postponement of the season. But Dean Henderson's been on absolute fire for Sheffield United. So it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm not advocating I would sell David De Gea, by the way. I still think he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. But it's very interesting when a guy that you've sent on loan for four years in a row is now doing it in the Premier League when he's done it in every other division he's been with as well. so mm-hmm. a, There's a lot of questions there. I think the defence is decent. I was going to say good. I wouldn't say good. It's decent. It can definitely be improved. Um, but I think, weirdly, actually, just sorry, while I'm on a bit of a ramble, no, um, Harry Maguire has improved since he became captain, which is very strange because I did not see him as a captain. Like he's, He doesn't seem very... Motivational, um, which is very strange, but uh, maybe that in the dressing room he is. You, you might not see it, but um, yeah, he has got better since been. He's been made captain, and I hope it. He keeps improving in the right way. He needs to score more goals from corners. That's, yeah, that's one thing I'd definitely say. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, I went on a bit of a ramble there. But I will essence, say, was,
3: uh, I good, decent. I would agree that he's gotten better, but I've just never really thought maguire was that good i don't know i've always thought he's a little overrated
2: like I mean, he's a lesser human
3: yeah I, I don't know i feel like he he's very have... just inconsistent like he'll be good and then just out of nowhere he's terrible like just the worst
1: <laughs> yeah he'll have a like a what well, yeah we call it like a brain fart in the UK. yeah, yeah. his brain will just turn off um but you know he must have something about him because man city are interested as well and generally they have a good other than alexis sanchez they have quite a good uh good scouting record of of who would fit in but obviously sanchez probably would have done a lot better fitting into man city system than he did at man united um but i I, what he does is he allows the ball to be carried out of defense which is weird because he doesn't look like that sort of player no he he is he is
2: very good at that he Mm. is
1: very good at bringing the ball out from defence. And I know it was only Tranmere, but when he brought the ball out and scored that goal, it was absolutely ridiculous in the FA Cup against Tranmere. But, um, and I think we needed a player like that. We haven't had one since Rio, since Rio retired. And that's what we've been missing, really. So, uh, yeah. The it could be improved you... on, though, definitely. <laughs> Who
0: did you prefer, Rio or
1: Vidic? Oh, you can't ask that. They were they're <laughs> the perfect partnership. In my, how I play, uh, Vidic is my idle as a defender couldn't i'm a centre-back as well because he was just a no-nonsense like he was he was technically absolutely terrible at football probably similar to myself (laughs) he he went in for headers he made tackles and if he won the ball he just passed it to someone that was better than him which is exactly (laughs) how i play football so it's like i would always if i'm picking my probably all-time favorite one of my all-time favourite United defenders, Vidic would definitely be very close to the top of the list, probably ahead of Rio. But I don't think you can compare them because they were so different. Rio was classy. Vidic was just an animal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have another... I have a question lined up. So, this one is about... So, a game in Singapore. The population, do they... Focus a lot on the Singapore Premier League and the national team?
1: Or... <laughs> no, no, it's absolutely dreadful. Um, my, yeah. I think my team that I play for here, which is completely amateur and we have to pay our own match fees to play, I think our team would only lose possibly two or three nil to a Singapore Premier League team, and that's purely because of fitness. In fact, no, I think we'd score. I reckon we would score. I reckon three one it would be.
0: <laughs> Um, I, was when I was researching that question and I was like looking in the AFC Champions League and I was like Dang, they haven't had a team in there since like 2000.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Singapore are absolutely awful. It's really really it's not I was gonna say corrupt I don't know if that's the right word for the league because it's very hard to be corrupt for anything in Singapore, but I think the wrong people have been running it. It's very government-led and they don't have like an individual person to, to help grow football in Singapore. And they had the Singapore 20, uh, was it 20, 2016 mission or something where they said by 2016, Singapore would have a team in the world cup. That didn't happen. So now they've changed that changed that to 20 Singapore, 2030 and said by 2030, it'd be in the world cup, but they have the huge issue with national service, which obviously as gauges uh, gauge as a Spurs fan, yeah, understand with some of you. Um, And you literally can't do anything to get out of it in Singapore if you're a Singapore male national. Which is why uh, Fulham have recently signed a Singaporean uh, kid, boy, male, whatever you want to call him, um, from Singapore. They came out, scouted him out here. They've taken him directly from Singapore to Fulham to train in their academy. And the Singapore government have said he needs to come back and do two years national service um and take time away and his dad has turned around and said if you're going to force him to do that he'll take his mum's nationality and become malaysian wow. because and that well that, but that's the problem all these kids that have potential then have to stop playing football for two years or right. you know the equivalent of two years it's like six it's i think it's like nine months over two years but they get taken away from the the training they've got and and generally they're just not very good at football <laughs> Singaporeans, like the the division that I play in, there's uh, one local team in it and then the top, so we're in the top division, there's one local team and all the rest are expats they're yeah. made up oh. of British or Norwegian, Scandinavian teams there's a German team, so it's, um, even at like grassroots level they're not they're not brilliant, and they focus too much on the technical skill so, rather than the actual tactics and stuff like that
2: Just right. quickly, so, by the way, uh, um, how are we doing on time? Just want to make sure we're not,
1: uh um, I'll have to go pretty soon, okay, yeah, yeah, so.
0: I have a quick follow-up question. So, yeah, yeah. do a lot of people focus more on European uh, football, or do they look to other Asian countries that have much better leagues and national teams?
1: Um no, it's all it's all it's not even European. It's all English football. Over okay. here. everything revolves around the Premier League. Um, I think the biggest supporters club in Singapore is Liverpool. Second biggest is Man United. Um, there is a big Leicester support in Singapore purely because of the connections to Thailand yeah. um, with the owners. Uh, but it all... Yeah, I think S League... So the S League is the Singapore Premier League. That gets, I think, around about 100 people per game, wow. which is awful. Yeah, it's absolutely dreadful. Tickets are like the equivalent of about £3 to go to a Singapore Premier League game. Um but it's it all revolves around yeah the the English Premier League. You, I think I've seen an AFC Champions League game once at the pub, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and I think there was about twenty people there. But there would have been twenty people there even if there wasn't shown. So, <laughs> like, there is literally no interest in in Asian football in Singapore. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so All right. It's the mission I've always wanted to do on Football Manager. Try and get Singapore to the World Cup, but it's just impossible because they're terrible. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> all right, I think I uh, think we might just wrap up there. So, um, Dave, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, we've been I've enjoyed okay. having you on for sure. So, yeah,
1: thank you for uh, having me on. And if you guys are keen to get up at six o'clock in the morning again, I'll come back whenever we can sort out a time. So, all right,
2: fair play. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we occasionally do a few questions. Um, well, this is, this is not directed directly at you, Dave. This is just for anyone, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us at, at, uh, the slap podcast. We have a few polls or interesting questions or, um, comedic bits, um, in the way of <laughs> Ethan's lookalike in the premier league. Um, if you've seen it, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. Thanks again for for tuning in, and um, we appreciate you for listening. And that's it. It's goodbye from us.